one of us, no matter where we are on our faith journey, there's always somebody who understands less than you do. If you've been a Christian for one minute, there's whole scores of people who haven't been Christians for any minutes, and you can pour into them and invite them along in life. Older men should raise up younger men. Older women should disciple younger women to understand what it means to be a child of God. The church needs brothers and sisters to pour into younger brothers and sisters. In a culture that glorifies independence, it's easy to go about your life focused only on yourself. However, as Pastor Daniel shares today, God designed you for something different, something more. Modeled by Moses and Joshua, God wants you to invite younger believers to walk alongside you in life. As you pour into them, you'll help them mature in their faith and grow in their understanding of how to navigate the world with integrity. Here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 11 as he continues his message, Prophets, Poultry, and Problems. The ministry of the Spirit in the life of these men was evidenced by the gifts in action. And we believe, as a church, very much in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, someone's bound to say, well, I've never experienced the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Don't worry, because God's timing is always perfect. See, God's Spirit, if he indwells you because of your faith, everybody will function in the gifts differently. Now, I'm not a big fan of gifts tests. Why? Because they end up pigeonholing people, say, this is my gift. I believe if the Spirit of God dwells in you, the potentiality for all the gifts indwell all the people of God. It's just a matter of how God wants to function. And so I think for some of you, there's some of you who have the gifts of tongues and some of you who do not. Some of you have the gift of interpretation of tongues. Some of you do not. Some of you have the gifts of words of wisdom or words of knowledge or prophetic words or healings or administration. You have all these different gifts. God has them and the potential for each one of those gifts is already in us through faith because of the habitation of the Holy Spirit. The question for our lives is, are we available to say, God, do you want to do something right now? And if God wants to do something, like if you're at church and during worship and someone speaks out in tongues, your next thing should say, Lord, do you want to give me the interpretation? See, but most of us, when we see or experience those things, we automatically go into spectator mode. (gasps) Oh, I wonder if it's for me. Now, isn't that selfishness in action? Rather than saying, Lord, do you want to use me as part of what you're doing right now? And so I really want to encourage you as as a follower of Jesus to say, Lord, what do you want to do right now? I'm here. We shouldn't seek to be spectators because Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's we're all in it. So we have the evidences of the gift of prophecy in these men. Now, in my translation, it says, although they never did so again, And then my Bible has a note that says, and they did not cease. So depending on your translation, the Hebrew is a little clunky, whether they were prophets and continued in the gift going forward, or um, the New King James has it, although they never did so again, which means this was a one-time 
expression. And so uh, because the Hebrew is clunky, I don't really know what to do with it other than say it's either one of those. But this is their case, okay? Now, with that being said, I realize that in Christianity today, not the magazine, but in Christianity in the day and age that we live, there's a lot of discussions about the gifts of the Spirit and what you would call either cessationism, where the gifts ceased, or uh, continuationism, which means that the gifts continue. And uh, scholars love to debate that. Uh, Some very popular scholars and pastors talk about that. Here's my thing for you with cessation. I don't believe in cessation. I believe that the gifts continue today. Why? Because God never changes. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I always say, don't ever base your theology on either somebody's excesses or your own experience. Base your theology on the word of God. And as long as you base your theology on the word of God, because listen, you may never have the gift of tongues. That doesn't mean they don't exist. God's just not using that in your life. What a lot of people do is they don't have the experience or they watch the excesses of certain groups within Christianity. They say, oh, because of their excesses, I'm going to react to that. Or because of my experience, I'm going to theologize my experience. And I would always say reactionary theology or you just trying to work out the stuff in your own life theology is not the God of the Bible. That's just us making ourselves God and developing theologies based around that. So let the word of God be your guide. That's why we have it. God gave us everything that we need for life and godliness. Now, in the midst of this, in verse 26, we find out that this was not localized to the tabernacle because there are two men, Eldad and Medad, who the Spirit rested upon them as well. They were part of the 70, but they didn't go on out. Now, we don't know why they weren't with the rest of them, but notice the Spirit of God reached them in the camp as well, and they began to prophesy in the camp. And what we find out is that Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant and one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. See, so they find out that not only are these elders prophesying, but there's two of them that are in the camp, and they're prophesying, and they're freaked out, like, oh, it's not supposed to be this way. And then we find out that Joshua is Moses' assistant, one of his choice men. Now, you guys who've read some of your Bible, you realize that Moses, his leadership is going to be handed to who? Joshua, the son of Nun. And so before Joshua was able to lead the children of Israel, he served alongside the leader of the children of Israel. And my friends, this is good old-fashioned discipleship. Joshua learned how to lead serving alongside Moses, who was the leader. And brothers, sisters, listen, you need to invite people to join you in life, to learn alongside of you. I've always heard it said that ministry is not taught, it's caught. I learned how to be a pastor because my pastor took me under his wing. I learned what a Christian marriage was because my pastor invited me to see the way he treated his wife and the way he treated his kids. And each one of us, no matter where we are on our faith journey, there's always somebody who understands less than you do. If you've been a Christian for one minute, there's whole scores of people who haven't been Christians for any minutes, and you can pour into them and invite them along in life. Older men should raise up younger men. Older women should disciple younger women to understand what it means to be a child of God. The church needs 
brothers and sisters to pour into younger brothers and sisters. And it's interesting. Joshua is loyal to Moses. He's like, my Lord, you need to forbid them. See, now, this is where it gets tricky. Because Moses is the leader. Moses says, look, you have to come on out, and the Spirit's going to come upon you. And for 68 of the guys, it did, but two guys weren't there. And Joshua's like, no, no, it's not supposed to be that way. Moses, this is subverting your leadership. See, Joshua is more devoted to Moses than he is to what God is doing. But notice how Moses leads Joshua. He says, are you zealous for my sake? This is verse 29. Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. My friends, Moses is golden right here. He says, listen, it's not about my leadership. Would it be God's pleasure to place his spirit on all of his kids that everyone would prophesy? See, this is the heart of a solid leader. It's not about me. Would that God would bless all of his kids, that I wouldn't even need to be here. And we have to be careful because our cultural values is that you need to make sure that you are needed, that gives you job security, that gives you all these things that our culture says we want. And so we have a tendency to lock down and not share everything. But that is the world's way not the Lord's way. See, a true godly leader says, if God has given me his spirit, would to God that every one of God's kids would have his spirit. Moses saying, Joshua, it's not about me. It's about God and his people. And you know what's beautiful about this? Joshua learns this. See, don't miss the fact that you can say, oh, Joshua got it wrong. But no, oftentimes the way you learn is by getting it wrong right? You have to go through the experience of not getting it right in order to learn this is how we do it. We learn more by making mistakes in some ways than we learn by actually succeeding. Because now you can imagine Joshua after that being like, oh man, my leader is telling me not to be zealous for him, but to be zealous for the purposes and plans of God. And I really believe that for some of you right now, God's prophetic word is challenging you because you maybe right now are struggling with God raising somebody up who maybe threatens your security, where you, instead of blessing and encouraging, you're trying to diminish and keep down. And that's just not the heart of God. We talk about that a lot here as a church staff. I call it removing the lid from crossroads. I believe that right now in this room, there are some men who are called to be senior pastors. I believe that. And I also believe that there can only be one senior pastor at Crossroads. So does that mean I should keep people from fulfilling the gifts that God has on their life? No way. Just got to be able to remove the lid. I think of Pastor Rob Lloyd, who he sent out this past summer. God's hand is on him. He's called. He said, I want to plant a church locally. Okay, we'll lay hands on you and send you. Why? Because it's not about if a pastor goes and plants a church, we're going to lose people. No, we gave those people to the Lord because of the Lord's. 
You know what's funny, though? Because I had someone say to me, Pastor, you can't do that. It's not going to be good for crosses. You know, we've only grown since we did that. Why? Because if you believe that God's kingdom is more important than your ministry, then God can entrust ministry to you. Because it's not about us holding everything on and saying, I have to keep it, I have to keep it. Say, no, no, Lord, this is all yours. The church is yours. The people are yours. What are you doing, Lord? We just want to get on board with what you're doing. And I'll be honest with you. If God raises up a man within our body who is the man who's supposed to lead Crossroads Community Church, I'd be more than happy to say, come on, bro. God's called you. I'll get on the building services team. Be happy to clean bathrooms in the house of God. Because it's not really about one person's gifting. It's about saying, look, everyone needs to be able to take the next steps. That phrase, that all of God's children would prophesy. What a powerful reality. What a powerful reality. That all of God's kids would be overflown, overflowing with the Spirit. And that God would put his Spirit on all of them. And notice verse 30. So Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. Now, that's the prophet part. Verse 31. Let's look at the poultry part. I almost call this prophets, pigeons, and problems. But I figured that some of you uh, very specific Bible students wouldn't like that I changed the quail to pigeons. But I was looking for the proper P. And so praise God for some of our staff. Like, oh, poultry. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's even a better word than pigeon. So you got poultry. Verse 31. Now a wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp, and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. And the people stayed up all that day, all night, and all the next day, and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten homers, And they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people. And the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of that place Kibroth Hata'avah, because there they buried the people who had yielded to craving. From Kibroth Hata'avah, the people moved to Hazaroth, and camped at Hazaroth. Now, remember that the people were struggling. They wanted meat to eat. They wanted to go back to Egypt because it was so great there. And I made the point that it wasn't really great there. They just had a selective memory. They were actually enslaved there. They were in bondage there. But they only remembered selectively what they thought were the best parts. And so God said, I'm going to send you quail. Now, quail were small birds that come from the partridge family. And every time I say the partridge family, everyone chuckles because of the partridge family. So if you notice, God sent a wind and all of these small birds, this poultry, these quail, they came and they were fluttering near the camp about one day's journey on this side and one day's journey on the other side. So literally... If one day's journey was six, seven miles, there was 15 miles or whatever of quail everywhere. Notice it says that there are about two cubits above the surface of the ground. So a biblical cubit was the distance from the tip of your middle finger to the crook of your elbow, about a foot and a half. So, so two cubits were about three feet high, which means it was on to get some poultry. That's what it means. There's 
quail everywhere, about three feet high. The most diminutive person didn't even have to get a step stool. They could get all the poultry that they needed. And notice what it says. The people stayed up all that day, verse 32, all night and all the next day. So they were having a poultry party. They were excited that the meat was there and they were collecting it. Now, 10 homers were probably about 500 gallons. So this is a lot of bird that they got here. A lot of it. And literally what happened is, is they have all this. They're killing all these quails. It's a two-day affair. They're getting them all. And it says, and while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people. And the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. And so what you have is that God's judgment to the people, ironically enough, was giving the people exactly what they wanted. Now, listen, if you read Romans chapter one, what you learn is that often God's way of bringing judgment on a people is actually giving you exactly what you want. And that's a terrifying reality, isn't it? Sometimes God's way of showing his displeasure in your life is to actually give you everything you ever dreamed of. Read Romans 1. Romans chapter 1, the second half of it, like verses 18 to 27 or 30 or whatever it is there, that's actually the most spot-on description of the culture that you and I live in right now. That God is actually giving our culture over to its own depravity. And that's a tragedy. That God's judgment is giving you your fallen desires so that it can consume you. And in a lot of ways, if you think about it, it says that the Spirit of God convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. See, the proof that we're God's kid is that God checks our heart that that's not who you're supposed to be. And one of the greatest proofs that I believe that you are God's kid is when you get convicted for things. I had a guy recently came up to me and he was talking to me. He said, Pastor Daniel, I am so convicted because I struggle with pornography. And I said, praise God, looked at me. I'm like, you realize that 70% of the men in America view pornography and don't struggle with it at all. They just do it. I'm like, the fact that you are convicted of it proves that you're God's child. And the fact that some people aren't convicted is also proof that they are not God's children because God is giving them over to exactly what they want, which is the depravity of their own heart. And that giving over to our desires unrestrained is its own form of judgment. God often uses natural means. See, all they wanted was meat. They didn't want the Lord. They just wanted meat. And God gave them meat. And that meat was their own judgment. It says while it was still in their teeth, they hadn't even chewed it yet. It became a curse to them. And they named that place Kibroth Hata Ava, which literally means the graves of lust or the graves of craving. One of my first memories of ever listening to a Bible teacher was Pastor Chuck Smith teaching this. And with Pastor Chuck's voice, he's now home with the Lord, he'd say, Kibroth Hata Ava. I could just hear it in my ear. The graves of lust. The graves of lust. Brother, sister, listen, 
Don't give in to your intense cravings unless it's an intense craving for God. Too many of us are not walking in self-control and we give in to those lusts. And what you find is that that sin is pleasurable for a season, but then when you give in to that craving, ultimately it hollows you out from the inside. We've all in different ways experienced that. It's a momentary pleasure which ultimately turns into something that completely dehumanizes you. And we all have them. We all have those intense cravings of the body, the lustings of the body. Someone always is bound to say, well, listen, okay, pastor, I get what you're saying, but how do we know? How do we know what we should and shouldn't do? Listen, all of the desires of your body need to be brought under the authority of Jesus Christ. So let me give you an example. Food, we all need it. You need it to live. If you don't eat, you will die. But if you overeat, you will also die. So we need to bring our eating under the authority of Jesus. Lord, am I honoring you with the way that I am caring for my body? Now, I use that. That's a personal struggle of mine. I come from a long line of square people. And I'm all Italian, so the more carbs, the better. But as I'm getting older, I can't do what I used to do because I'm ballooning. You know, and so it's like, Lord, I want to honor you with my, this is your temple. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I want to honor you with that. So I have to deal with that stuff and I have to go to the gym, not because I like it. I think it's the craziest thing in the world. I mean, who would want to do that with their spare time? Not me, but I go anyway because I have to, because if not, I'm dishonoring God with my body, your sexuality. You were created a sexual being in the image and likeness of God. Your sexuality is meant to be an act of worship, but you take your sexuality out from under the authority of Jesus and you have all sorts of sexual immorality of all different sorts, heterosexual sexual immorality, homosexual sexual immorality of all different sorts because we take our sexuality and the desires of the body out from under the authority of Jesus And then you have sinfulness, something like sleeping. You need to sleep. Sleep deprivation is a form of cruel and unusual punishment. But what happens is if you take sleeping out from under the authority of Jesus, you might have somebody who is slothful or lazy. See, none of these things are inherently bad. They become bad when you take them out from under the authority of Jesus. So you have to ask yourself, God, does this glorify you the way that I am stewarding these areas of my life. And you have finance. You you go through the whole list, everything that's a part of your life. Is this under the authority of Jesus, under the authority of the word of God? Jesus is Just like a child sneaking too many treats, getting exactly what you want can feel great in the moment, but can have disastrous consequences. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that God often brings judgment by giving you exactly what you want. Eventually, your desires consume you and leave you emptier than you thought possible. Pastor Daniel also reminded you that experiencing God's conviction is proof that you belong to Him. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? 
Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when you'll hear that every part of your life should be under the authority of God. Pastor Daniel will share that how much you yield to God in each aspect of your life impacts your walk with Him and determines how He can work in and through you. When you choose to go your own way, not only will you miss out on seeing God's mind-blowing power, but you'll sap your spiritual vitality. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Wilderness. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.